Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Loman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Stephanie May Wilson, author, podcaster and course creator. How's it going today Stephanie? It's so good. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you here and I see like we are we're decked out like in we have the same gear. We're talking in the same mic um, to get things started. I, I, I know well, we just said it. You're a podcaster as well. So it's always fun to have additional podcasters on. Yes, yes. Um, I try to be a great podcast guest because I I know, it, I mean, just things like good recording equipment makes everything easier. So that's kind of, that's my goal as a podcaster myself. I'm like, I'm going to make this as easy on you as possible. So oh, we'll see I if I can it. do that. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's get right in. Uh, we'd like to start this off by just giving just a 15 second-ish elevator pitch for who you are and what you do to give our listeners an idea of you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am a, a, an author and a podcaster and a course creator, like you said. Um, and my primary audience is 25 to 35 year old women. That is a decade of life where we make just absolutely enormous decisions about our lives. We're trying to figure out like where we want to live and who our people are and who we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And if you know what we want to do for our careers and do we want to be parents? And I mean, there's just so much to figure out in that season of life. Um, and so I come alongside women and I try to help take off the pressure of what they think their lives are supposed to look like by now and help them build a life that they are actually really passionate about that's authentic and and true to to them. And so that's yeah, that's my thing. That's what I do. Amazing. Is that is that range expanding at all given that like so many of those big life decisions are I I, I think like the trend is that's happening even a little later. Well, it's funny because when I first started out, I really spoke to college students because I started, you know, writing and and uh, blogging just shortly after I graduated from college. And so the range is definitely like uh, the range of my audience has grown up with me, you know, as I've gotten older. But yeah, I mean, it really is. That's kind of the the target of my people. But it's it's before that it's after that, because there's so many things that we're trying to figure out about life, it really, no matter what age we are. But um, sure. there are just there's some specific challenges specifically for women in that uh, in that age range that that we talk about a lot. So no doubt, no doubt. Well, take us through kind of the the genesis, the story of how you, uh, I don't know if you, did you have a career before this? Was this always your path? How did you kind of get into the space? So um, I studied uh, broadcast journalism in college. That was my thing. And um, through just kind of a crazy turn of events in my life, I ended up um, pursuing humanitarian work in 
instead. Just all of a sudden, like four months before graduation, I just had a giant shift in, in you know, kind of who I am and, and what I want out of life and decided that I was just going to take a totally different path, which is a terrifying thing to do right before graduation. And also my parents were like, okay, so we just paid for this degree and you're not going to use it? Okay. So that was a little, a little nerve wracking. Um, part of that shift was I ended up um, working for a church for a while. And I was a sort of mentor to women who were just a couple steps behind me in life. And, and I got to you know go to coffee with them and talk to them about all the things that we are going through as women and just try to figure out where they're going in life and what they want. I thought that I was going to do that forever because I loved that. I loved getting to be just sort of a big sister figure to women. Um, but then I had the opportunity to travel around the world for a year doing humanitarian work. And that is just not an opportunity you pass up. And so I decided to do that. And along the way, um, was given a blog. And it was just sort of for, you know, to keep people back home updated and for, you know, some like fundraising purposes. And um, so that was the first time that I had ever told my own stories. I, you know, was used to telling other people's stories in journalism, but I, I hadn't really talked about, you know, life through through my lens. Um, and so I started to do that. And it was this really cool combination of uh, everything I'd learned in school. So my, you know, my journalism skills and then everything that I'd learned through getting to be this mentor to women. Um, and it all kind of came together in, in this blog. And so I did that. I traveled around the world for a year for a year and kept a blog in my adventures. And when I got back, um, created my own blog, I wanted to, you know, be able to make it look the way I wanted to. Um, and so that started my career as a blogger, and that was 10 years ago now. Wow. And over over the years, you know, it grew. I had different jobs. Um, I was a chief storyteller for a, a large humanitarian organization. I got to start a magazine. That was really cool. But all the while I was blogging on the side. And I really thought that blogging and eventually, you know, writing books and um speaking and things. I thought that those things were way off in my future. But three months before my wedding, my husband and I both got laid off from our jobs. Uh, we worked together at this organization and they just had to downsize. And so we both lost our jobs in one day. And um, we you know, had a decision to make at that point. We didn't have you know, any kids. We, I, I don't even think we had any house plants. Um, <laughs> so we didn't have a whole lot uh, going on um, in terms of responsibility. But we also uh, had some big dreams. And so both of us had to sort of decide, are we going to to, to try to do our own thing? Or are we going to you know try to find some other jobs? And really, we did try to find some other jobs, just nothing really worked out. We did actually each find another thing. Again, working together, that fell apart. So if you're counting, that's four jobs lost between the two of us by our first anniversary. It was a lot. Um, but at that point, we really both decided we wanted to try doing our own thing, that we didn't have anything to lose. And all that time I'd been blogging. and But that was the moment that I decided to try to take my blog and turn it into something that could potentially pay my bills. And so so that was when I created my first course. So I had 3,000 like social media followers or you know people on my email list, 3,000 total. Uh, I think I had $11 in my bank account. And that's when I created my first course. And um, I started selling uh, an ebook first. That was, that was first, then a course. And it's really just amazing the way that it's taken off. And I mean, that was... Oh gosh, that was... <laughs> Seven years ago that that happened, and and it's been you know paying the bills ever since, and it's just a really amazing thing to get to do something that you really care about, and that that uh, like I'm excited to work every day, I, and that's just a really great feeling, and then to get to you know take care of my family and to get to you know pay off my college loans and you know do all the do, really have it be something that I, that holds water. 
um, is just a, a really big gift. So that's kind of the short and long story of it. Wow. Yes. Yes. Uh, to paint like uh, to paint a picture of the timeline associated with this, the state of your blog when and your audience I, uh, when you launch this officially is kind of a business. Mm-hmm. Did you have an audience that was already receptive to like what you were going to sell? Did you have to find a new audience or were they were they your first customers as well? They were my first customers as well. So it really was it started out because so I, you know I'd been blogging and before we lost our second round of jobs someone had suggested to me that I build a like an opt-in gift, a, a lead generator. And um I mean that was a long time ago. That was in two, uh, 2014. Um but they were right. And so what I did was I wrote what I thought was going to be my first big book. And I thought that I probably would be like 40 when I wrote it, but I was I was nowhere near. Um, but I wrote this book and it was uh, a little long for an ebook, a little short to be, you know, a traditional trade book. Um, but I launched it as a as a like list builder. And that was my first freebie, I guess. But the way that that became a product is that it came out right before Christmas. And so we had some women in my audience who said, you know, I love this. I'd love to give it to a friend. Do you have a print version of it? And I mean, we said, no, no, but we can probably put one together. And so we did. And that's when I first started my, you know, my e-commerce shop came out of that. All the other, all of my other books, I've published, self-published eight at this point came out of that. Um, but that's how that whole thing got started. So it really was, it was my current audience. And the way that I created, the way that I've created everything is just by talking to them and knowing them. And I mean, they are me also. Um, and all of my products are basically a step, de- walking them through something hard in their life, a step deeper than I could through a blog post. Yeah. So did your blog navigate to a point in which you were engaging in any form of thought leadership? Or or I I guess what I want to understand is what was the transition from travel journey slash, you know, join me on my humanitarian adventures to I've I've got valuable content that can change your life. Yeah. Well, I think that it was, you know, the way that I was talking about things was and I think I I got this from, you know, being a mentor to to those college women that, you know, I'm going to tell a piece of my story. And that helps you know that you're not alone and that like, I I can relate to what you're going through. You're not the only one who's been through this. You're not crazy. You're not stupid for finding yourself in this place. Like you're going to be okay. Um, But then this is how I got through it. And so that was the piece, um, you know, talking about how I got through these different things that sort of started to, I guess, establish me as a a friend, but also a mentor who can help you get through the thing that you're going through right now. And so um, the first couple of products that I created were um, one was a, like a friendship guide and that was for book clubs and small groups and just you know teams and different things um, to help women get to know each other better. Uh, so one of the things that I'd been talking about on my blog was moving to a new city and making new friends and how hard that can be. And um, so I put together something that was helpful for me. And it turns out it was helpful, helpful for other women as well. And then another thing that I talked a lot about, you know, in my on my blog, but really I, you know, I, as I told my story more, I started to get emails from people asking me for advice on things. And that's really where, really where my products came from. And so my first course and actually my my current like kind of signature course uh, is all about singleness and dating and how to navigate that well. And so that came out of, you know, I was having like hundreds of email conversations and coffee conversations with women asking me like, what do I do about this? You know, I like this guy and I don't know what to do about it. Or, you know, I'm super frustrated with being the last single friend in my friend group. You know, what do I do about it? And that's where the course came from. So it really came out of, you know, this is my story. This is what I've been through. This is what I learned. And then people would go, okay, okay, but how do I do that in my own life? Or, 
well, but what about this? And that's where the the deeper products came from. I have to ask, mainly because I think about this myself. I imagine many of our listeners will be thinking about this through the same lens. What would you say were the indicators that gave you, it made you feel like you had the qualifications to be that, that leader in this space when it comes to dating or when it, did you have a lot of failures? Did you have a lot of successes? How did you, how did you, I guess, rationalize how to, like, that you were the one to answer the questions that are being asked? I think that, you know, I was the one people were asking. And, and I think that that's, you know, there are so many people who say this in different ways, but your thing is where the need of the world matches, you know, the thing you're passionate about and matches, um, you know, something that's kind of easy easier for you or easy for you and hard for other people, you know, some, some sort of combination of that. But I think, you know, of, of course, you know, I had lots of failures along the way. I had some successes. I think the biggest thing is that I've always paid attention. And so, you know, when someone comes to me and they say, you know, this is what I'm going through right now, you know, a lot of us may have been through that thing, but it's just part of the way that I'm wired that I, that I remember how that felt. Um, and so I'm able to relate, relate better. But I think the bigger thing is, you know, we think that we have to have a PhD in something. We think we need to, you know, have done, you know, decades of research on, you know, we think we have to have these certain um, specific qualifications because I think we feel the pressure of needing to get someone from A to Z in their journey. And for me, from the beginning, I have always felt like the thing that I'm meant to do in this world is to be that friend that's like a step and a half ahead. And so I don't need to get you from A to Z in your life. That is totally beyond my qualifications. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a life coach. I don't like, I'm not, uh, I'm not any of those things. I just, I'm a friend who's been there and figured out some things along the way. And so I can help you through the thing. Like really, I can help you through the things I've been through. And that's true for all of us. We don't need to get someone from A to Z. We just kind of need to get them from, if we've walked from A to C, we are that therefore qualified to walk someone else from A to C as well. Yeah. I love that. Take us through your, your first launch, your your course, your ebook. Tell us, did it meet the expectations that you had? Uh, what were the challenges? What did you learn through that process? Yeah. So the first the first launch I ever did was my ebook. And, you know, I think we probably had a few thousand. I think that's where my my 3000 women came from um, was through that that ebook launch. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't really gotten to talk to anyone else who'd ever launched an ebook. Um, and so so I didn't really have specific expectations. I do remember being really, really scared. Because especially, you know, I mean, anything we make is tender and important and it's something we've put a lot of time into and it's a piece of ourselves that we are sharing with the world. And so, I mean, I just remember being really scared to, to do this and knowing I had to. And really the trick has always been for me to publicly commit to something before I, so I can't back out. And that was how it was. I was like, this book is coming out on this day and I had told everybody. And so as I'm, you know, freaking out the night before, I couldn't take it back. I had to do it. And, and that's really how anything good has happened in my life. <laughs> just committing in advance, um, knowing I, I'm going to want to chicken out at the last minute. The next, uh, when I launched my first course, cause that was just, it, that was really my first step after we lost our second set of jobs. You know, when we're like, okay, this is actually going to need to, to pay the bills. Um, maybe is that even possible? I felt just a tremendous amount of, of pressure in that time. You know, we were newlyweds, we were stepping out into, into a new phase of adult life. And so it, it was really, um, it was really scary. And I, I really did. I, I was like, I need to make this work. Otherwise I'm going to have to do something I don't want to do. Like I'm going to have to do a job that I really, really don't want because 
because I tried to get all the jobs that I did want and nothing had really panned out. Um, I just didn't have enough experience. And so I felt a lot of pressure. But for some reason, I think I had heard someone give this advice that um, start small and start fast. And so I was like, okay, what do I know about? Or what is the thing that people ask me about the most? And it was, it was dating. Um, And so I basically live launched or I, I live launched and then, and then taught like as I went my, my course for the first time and I made it four weeks long. Um, I think I, I opened the cart for, I mean, I didn't know to call it that at the time, but, um, I, I gave people like four days to sign up. Um, and I think I picked four days because I just couldn't stomach it any longer. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to, to promote something for any longer than that. Uh, and so I opened it for like, you know, three or four days and I charged $50 and I, um, accepted payments through the little Squarespace site that I had set up uh, to sell my book a couple months before. Um, and, and I just kind of put together a little syllabus and, and the whole thing was, you know, no one was really teaching online courses back then. Then, at least that I knew of. So I didn't really have like a template for this. Um, but really what I was thinking was if these women were in my living room, like if I had more time with them, what would I want to teach them? What would I want to talk to them about? And I did it. I, you know, I made the course via video because I, I thought that that was powerful to get to like see each other face to face sort of. And, um, and so I taught the, the course on Facebook live, uh, four weeks in a row, people had to be there live, but I'd also record it. And I made the, um, I made some worksheets on, you know, Microsoft. Microsoft office. And, and that was, that was that, that was the first course. And I was able to sell something like 43, you know, courses. So I had, I had 43 girls sign up. And I think that really was because I had been, you know, in these women's lives, I'd been blogging for this long. I'd been emailing back and forth. And this was the next step deeper to, you know, I've been able to talk about this a little bit in a blog post, but I haven't really been able to walk you through it. I would love to walk you through it. Here's what we'll talk about in the course. And so women were like, yeah, this is what we've been asking for. Um, so we had 43 women sign up, which was awesome. It was $50. Um, and that was, that was my first, like, um, got me through, through a little bit of life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that first yeah. Paycheck. yeah. That, that sounds, sounds like a, a pretty meaningful number of people joining. Uh, I'm interested. What, what are your thoughts on launching with a live course versus pre-recorded? Uh, we've never really talked about this on the show, but you mentioned that you, you conducted this live and I imagine you learn so much more by having that really real time feedback. Yes. I, and I've real, I really do have thoughts about this. So I did this course. It went great. And it it was all about singleness and dating, like I said. Um, but I had this idea that I needed to have a different signature course. So it was like, I did this, it went well, yet I'm going to set it aside and do something else, which makes no sense. And so what I did was, I mean, this must have taken me probably six months. I wrote this really deep, really intense, like this really in-depth course all about like self-confidence because that was, you know, something I really wanted to talk about. It had like six modules. It was super expensive. It was really long. I had everything designed. I pre-recorded everything, which is, is hard and, um, edited all the videos myself. You know, I mean, I just put so much work into this thing and I launched it and, um, I sold it twice. I think we had probably a little over a hundred people sign up total. So financially it, it did great. The problem was I hadn't taken people through this content before. And this wasn't actually one of the things that people were explicitly asking me about as much. Um, they were, but not, it wasn't like a concrete question with a concrete answer. It didn't fit as well as the other course had. Um, 
Um, and then also I hadn't taught the course in this way before. And so basically it just wasn't as helpful to women as I was hoping it would be. Um, they got like a little way into it, got kind of discouraged and, and quit. So I guess like numbers wise, it looked successful, but as a like impact wise, it felt like a really big failure to me. And that was just one of the biggest lessons that I've ever learned is to not create stuff in a vacuum. Um, and not to, to spend, you know, like six months, you know, recording video content that, that's hard to, that you're going to have to totally redo if you want to change a paragraph of what you say in there. Um, and so ever since I've tried to really like teach something live for the first couple times so that I can get it to a point where I know that this is going to be as helpful to people as I want it to be. And then I can record it and then I can sell it. Like then I don't have to teach it live every time. Um, it's definitely intimidating to do it that way, but the startup cost is so much less. Uh, the time it takes to, to launch something is so much less and you really do. You get such better feedback. And, and so you don't like, I mean, really, if I wanted to change one part of that course, I would have had to totally dismantle the whole thing. It wasn't like I could patch it in. I mean, it just, it all built on, on itself and, you know, it, I recorded it all in one day. So I would have had to like, you know, wear the exact same thing and make sure it, the lighting was, I mean, it just, I couldn't change it. And so, um, I've always ever since been a fan of try something live the first time, start small, start fast and start with the thing that people are actually asking you about instead of the thing that you think that you want to talk to them about. Yeah, I love that. And I think, uh, as you said, it's such a great way to just get your thought process um, built out to get yourself in front of your prospective customers or customers, even if you have to do a live training for free to get yourself up and running, if you don't already mm -hmm. have that audience. Um, yeah. Such a great way to explore, to learn and to really set the foundation, because I can only imagine what could have happened. You, you know, even if you didn't have that audience who already knew you and had already built that trust with you, you may have spent hours, thousands of hours, months, maybe even years building something that ultimately didn't sell. Yeah. Yeah. The latest example of this is um, my husband and I have been asked about marriage for years. Um, and for the most of the most of the time we've been like, you know, we've been married for four seconds. We have nothing to contribute to, to anything marriage related, uh, but we've been married for about eight years now. And so now we're like, OK, we can talk to people who are engaged and like transitioning into, you know, the first couple first year of marriage or so. And um, we feel like we've we're we're far enough. We've learned enough to be able to to speak to that. Um, and so we did a live launch of that course um, back in February, and we taught it live. We did it after you know our kids were asleep. We you know basically did it over Zoom, and we had again fifty couples join us, which was really awesome. And and we got to go through the content together. But the thing was, I mean, it went so well. We're so happy with it. But we found that the bigger imp that we had more. I think that we were more helpful to couples who were already married. So we really marketed it to people who were engaged. It was sort of a supplement to premarital counseling, not a replacement for it, but a supplement too. Um, and, and that was good. But I think that, you know, when you're engaged, you're getting a lot of like marriage advice that you don't, you're not really getting to put into practice yet. And since the rubber hasn't met the road, you don't get to be like, okay, so what do I do about this? Like, this is an actual current pain point. It's all sort of more theoretical. Um, and so as we teach the course again, because we're going to teach it live again, at least once more, um, 
um, I really think that I want to gear it a little bit more towards couples who might already be married because then they actually have real time things that they can ask about and, and want to work through instead of just sort of trying to project into a future that hasn't really happened yet. So that's just kind of a current example. Yeah. Yeah. I want to rewind a little bit and maybe not even rewind, but thinking thinking backwards to some of your, your suggestions to any of our listeners who is considering taking this leap, making that step, getting a product, putting it out there. What are some of the just the insights you would extract from your journey that you would share with someone who's considering moving down this, you know, taking this, taking this leap? Yeah. You know, everyone talks about platform a lot and I get that. It's important. You know, if you're going to sell something, it's important to have people who, you know, want to buy it. But I think that there's this real emphasis on, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, I don't have blank number of Instagram followers or I don't have blank number of followers on TikTok or whatever. Um, I, I shouldn't be writing. A, I can't write a book yet or I can't make a course yet. You know, I don't have, I need to build my platform first. I feel like I built mine out simultaneously. So I, you know, I had a, a really small, you know, group of awesome women following along with me. And that's when I wrote my first book and that the launch of that book, you know, brought in more women. And then I created another product to serve that audience of mine. And kind of the launch of that, you know, launch times are, are really powerful for audience growth. And I don't think that we always think about it that way. You know, if you're going, you know, a lot of people will use things like paid ads to get a freebie out into the world. Um, and we kind of forget that that's your audience growing by however many people like that time where you're investing in, in these paid ads, like that's making your audience bigger and it'll be bigger after, even after that launch is over. Like even the people who don't buy your thing, they'll still be in your community now. Um, and so your community has grown in the process. And so that's really kind of how things went for me, where I would put something out into the world and, you know, um, kind of the buzz that I would try to create around that would grow things a little bit. And then I would just invest in those people for a while and figure out what they needed and then make something new for them to solve one of the problems they were asking me about. As I'm talking about it, you know, my audience gets just a little bit bigger and that process has kind of gone on and gone on. Um, and so I just would really disagree with the idea that you need to have blank number of Instagram followers before you can create anything else. I think create something for the people who are there and the process of doing that will make you better. It'll serve your people. It'll get them talking about you. It'll invite more people into the fold as you, you know, push it out into the world. Um, but also it, you know, it, it trains people to buy things from you. It helps them know, like, this is someone who, who has resources. This is a person who like makes stuff and I can buy things from them. And that's kind of a hurdle that's, that a lot of people have a hard time getting over. But the other thing is like, I created this course in its current form. So I, I did end up doing like a pre-recorded version of my course on, on dating. And, um, I have, I think I'm on 15 launches at this point. Like I've relaunched that same course about 15 times now, and I would totally redo it if it stopped being helpful, but it's still helpful. So I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll just keep it as it is. I don't want to, you know, mess it up by trying to make it different. But you know, the first time that I sold that one, it was that version of it. I think we had like a hundred and twenty six women sign up. But since then, my audience has grown. And so the people who are now in my audience still have the chance to get that resource that I made a long time ago. Um, so whatever you make now will still be available to all the people who come into your audience later. And it's just kind of this like you have when you have new people follow, you have something for them to buy. And that's really important that that's how your your business grows. And so just like I think that sometimes we make things and think that we're only going to launch them once. You know, we make a course, I'm going to launch it once. Whoever does 
doesn't like whoever buys it. Great. Whoever doesn't, that's a bummer. I need to make something new. And it's like, no, you made this thing. You put so much time and energy and wisdom into this thing. And that's now available for your whole future audience, which means that that can benefit them and teach them new things, teach them that same thing. And you don't have to constantly teach it, which is nice. But also that's revenue that you can make forever um, from this thing that you made once. And that's like, that's the, I don't know. That's to me, that's, that's ideal. Yeah. I love where you're going just a moment ago on, on audience and just the overall size. So many times I think just speaking for myself and what I assume maybe some of our listeners have felt is that you have a tendency to maybe focus on the thousands before you've thought about the one. Uh, and generally, you know, there's always someone within reach. Uh, I have my, my theory is that there's usually one customer within two degrees of separation from yourself for whatever service, whatever content, whatever product you have to sell. Do you have any thoughts on finding the, I know your story was, was really interesting in that you you'd start to kind of build a built a following but maybe just talk to us about that first one um and I'll, I'll my my brief parallel here is I, i've been fairly anti-social in terms of adopting all of the networks and stuff i fired up a twitter account based upon a conversation i had on this podcast i think i'm up to two followers now. <laughs> but, nice yes <laughs> talk to me about like everyone's going to go through this if they start they're going to be speaking to silence they're going to be speaking to an audience of none maybe one or two can you take us back to that yeah um i mean when i first started blogging, it was helpful because I was traveling as I was blogging. And so I did have a handful of people that were just like curious. But that's actually interesting because, you know, if you there are ways to to pique curiosity in the people in your life by what you're doing. So, um, you know, say, for example, you want to eventually write about I mean, I'll stay in my own lane. You want to write about friendship. You want to be the person that people go to for friendship. And so instead, like to kind of kick it off, what if you did something that will pique the curiosity of others? What if you decide that you are going to try to make one new friend a week for a year and you're going to talk about it. Like that's something that people, the people in your life, the people you went to high school with are going to like maybe check out and maybe be curious about. And so that kind of curiosity of I'm going to do something, I'm going to go on a little bit of a journey and I'll take you with me. That can be, that can happen in all kinds of spheres. Um, but really when I first started writing, I knew that I was going to, to worry about, you know, like, are there enough people reading it? And it's just really hard not to. It's hard to not to not feel discouraged by the silence. But I decided and I made a commitment that if I can make one person's life better, then I've done my job. That's it. Like I'm just trying to go for one. And if there's more than one, then great. Um, but I have to remind myself of that all the time that it's just this is just about the one. But it's cool because you know if there's if there's one person that's going through this, there's probably more. But in that vein of thinking about that one person, I really made it my mission to just treat that first person like gold to just take really good care of them, to write them back when they emailed me, to to really invest in them, to make quality things for them, to just to really do everything I could to be a great resource for them. And it's really cool how when someone is helped by you in some way, they pass your name on. And that's really like, I would say word of mouth is absolutely how my things have grown throughout the years. And then also uh, that kind of, I, I would say the, the, the fire starter was that curiosity was like, there were a couple of people from high school that were like, she's doing what? And so that kind of got them reading my blog a little bit. But other than that, it was like, I mean, I don't think they even continued. It was like, maybe they shared something that they thought was interesting and someone else started following. And so that was my one person. It wasn't even my friend 
friends from high school. It was like, that was my one person. And I was able to help them through something. So they told someone else and they told someone else. Um, but I think that if you can take really, really good care of your first people, it's they start to, to tell each other about it. They start to bring more people to the to the show. Do you have any thoughts on on defining that first person? I was thinking as you were, as you were talking about how important it can be, especially when writing. And I'm not a educated writer or I, I don't I don't I don't do it nearly enough, but I know that there's some philosophy around just thinking about that that listener, the the recipient, the reader in this case. Any thoughts on on did you apply that into your to, into your writing journey? Yeah, you know, I've always I'm not a big reader of fiction and I'm not a big writer of fiction. I'm not a writer of fiction at all and I'm not a big reader of fiction. Uh, let me be clear about that. But I'm glad that I'm not a, a writer of fiction because I think that writing to someone who isn't you would be so hard. And I just don't know that I'm a good enough writer for that. My audience has always been me a year and a half ago, always. Um, and so, you know, there's this quote that I love and it really is my mission statement is to be who you needed when you were younger. And so I think that, you know, you can do the, there are so many exercises that really brilliant business teachers and, you know, write, writing coaches and stuff have about, you know, defining your audience and your customer avatar and, you know, really getting in their head um, and, and really writing to this one person. But I think it's just always been easier for me to go, what did I need? What was I struggling with? What was hard for me? What was I confused about? And how can I go back and speak to that version of me? And then I'm totally in my head. I know exactly what I, you know, it's, I don't have to imagine anything. It's just me. And I think that, that that goes back to the kind of imposter feeling of imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to talk to someone? I think, who am I, who am I to be the, the person to walk someone through this thing? When you can just be who you needed when you were younger, that's a really simple thing that we can all do. And we've all been through something. And the fact that we've gone through that. And the fact that we've gotten through that means that we know how to get through it and therefore we can walk someone else through it. And so whether that's like learning to knit for the first time, you know, all of us have been in a place where we don't know anything about knitting. I'm there right now. I don't know anything about knitting. So if someone was like, I, you know, I've gotten really into knitting. This is my thing. I want to teach other people how go back to yourself when you were just starting out and had no clue about anything and talk to that person. And that's true for business. That's true for, you know, dating. That's true for literally anything is be who you needed when you were younger and um and and having yourself your younger self be your audience i mean like you don't have to use your imagination for that you know exactly yeah. what you needed <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if anyone should be willing to accept your advice it should be your younger you if they know what yeah. they're you know <laughs> if, if they know it's good for them yeah exactly <laughs> they don't always they don't always know <laughs> true true <laughs> well um take us on the journey how did you how did you find where did kajabi come into the picture on this? I know you mentioned creating your first course. Did you start out here? Did you start with something else? I started with something else and I don't know exactly when... Well, I mean, I don't know exactly when Kajabi launched, but I didn't know about it for a long time. And then I started to hear about it as I found about found out about more you know, course creators and started kind of following along with what they were doing. I, it was cool to be like, oh, they're doing they're doing what I'm doing. Oh, this is... I'm doing what they're doing? Cool. That's, that's good. Um, so getting to learn from other people has been really helpful. But uh, they started mentioning this crazy word named or crazy word Kajabi. And, and so, um, I think I heard about it for probably a year before I signed up. And, um, before that I had sort of cobbled together like a WordPress theme and some awkward plugin. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of like, it 
was uh, the back end was ugly to, to try to to try to create this this course. It was a mess. Um, and so when I finally found out about Kajabi and, and signed up and started getting in there, it was so cool to be like, oh, so you guys have made all the things that I've needed this entire time. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so it really was. It, I mean, you guys knew your audience really well because your audience was me and life before you had been very like duct taped together. So I was, I was very happy to have all of the resources I needed and all the follow up emails and um, you know, payment gateways and all that stuff just integrated was, was a really big deal. So I was very happy to find Kajabi <laughs> and I don't know how long it's been. That was probably, I mean, it's been several years now, probably four, maybe five. Yeah. Tell us uh, just uh, not specific to your journey with Kajabi, but your, your journey as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a, whatever term you define. Well, I'm going to ask you that first. What do you, what do you define yourself as? Gosh, I don't know. It is, <laughs> I, I think that that's the hardest thing about the work that we do. You know, when you're a, it, I think it used to be maybe pre-internet days, like you were just a writer, you wrote books um, or you spoke at events or something. I mean, there were just less platforms. So there were less forms that this could all take. I think I'm a communicator. I'm a content creator. I'm a um, mentor. I'm a friend. I'm a little bit influencer, although that's not my favorite. Um, <laughs> like that's, that's not my favorite title. Yeah. I feel like I'm one part author, one part podcaster, one part, I don't know, mentor, one part best friend, you know, it's just kind of, it's a bunch of different things. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's the hardest thing though, is, is really defining what you do and, and who you are. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's probably, probably been my biggest challenge in the last 10 years of business is really putting like a firm, like deciding on one word. If I have to be one word, what is it? I don't yeah. know. I'm still working on that. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of a tangent, but it's, it, it is cool to see how the industry is hardening and, and you're, you're seeing like more understanding uh, and more awareness, uh, like just the concept, uh, I suppose when I was a kid, like the idea of someone gaming on, you know, doing video games live on screen, like that as a job was just incomprehensible. I, I mean, I like I studied journalism. I, I remember having to make a blog in journalism class. And the idea that this would be my job was just this wasn't a job then. And I didn't go to college that long ago. You know, yeah. uh, it just it was not a thing. And so, um, I mean, it's really exciting. And it's 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 cool to get to be a lot of things. It's cool to have a message um, or things you want to talk about and to get to do it in a whole bunch of different ways. You know, it's and it changes depending on what the thing is. Like for some things, it's best in a book and some things it's best in a, you know, work, a downloadable workbook and some things it's best in a live stream. And I mean, there's so many options now, which is really cool, but it is hard. It, it's hard to I mean, for the longest time, I feel like my family was like, you pay your bills. How? Like, do you need, do you need some money? Like, you know, trying to slip me a 10 or something, help me buy lunch. Yeah. Um, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Oh yeah. For the first like decade of, of my entrepreneurial journey, I'm pretty sure like I get the joke running joke was I was a part of the CIA because nobody knew what I did. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> taking, yes, it back, taking it back to, to where I was going with this originally before I went off on the tangent. Uh, tell us what's changed for you as a result of taking this journey, um, moving out of the traditional you know, blue collar career world or whatever it was you would have been doing before. What's what's shifted for you? So I love that I've gotten to design my life. You know, I love that I get to there are some day, you know, working from home is hard, as we've all learned in the last handful of years. It's really hard. Um, it's hard to, you know, be motivated. It's hard to be in charge of your own time. It's hard to turn it off. It's I mean, there's so many different things that are hard about it. But I do really love getting to have my work ebb and flow along with the different things that are important in my life and 
also kind of with my energy levels, with my enthusiasm. I don't know. There, there are times where I'm so excited about a project that I'm up thinking about it like all hours of the night. I want to work on Saturday. I want to work on Sunday. I want like, I don't want to turn it off. I just am so pumped. But then there are days where, where, you know, I'm ready to take a step back or, you know, times when I want to take off a week and, and go be with my family. And so being able to kind of follow your own internal rhythms is a real gift. But I also think there are, I'm, I'm a relationships person just through and through my friends, my family, my husband, my, my people are just of the utmost importance to me. And I love that my work can coexist with them. And I think that that I could have been doing work, um, you know, in more traditional jobs where my, my people would have suffered because I wouldn't be able to be around as much as I want to be, especially if I was trying to achieve, you know, high levels of success. It, it would cost, cost me in other areas of my life. And like right now, for example, I, I'm a mom to, um, twin girls who are going to be two in November. And so I'm a new mom and, um, my girls are here. I'm, I'm work from home. My husband works from home. He's downstairs in his office. I'm upstairs in mine. And, um, I can hear my girls, you know, playing in the sandbox out back. <laughs> and I love that anytime I, I'm, you know, whenever I'm ready to take a break, I can go hug them and kiss them and play with them and hear about their day. And I get to be part of their lives and they get to be part of my lives on a, or my life on a really, on a regular basis. Like I don't have to be away from them for really long periods of time, but I also get to really be actively pursuing the things that I feel like I was meant to do in this world. And, and I think that that combination of having a bunch of different things in your life that are really important, but getting to do more of them at the same time is, I mean, that's really what this has given to me. And I'm just really grateful for it. I love that. Uh, well, Stephanie, tell us uh, what's coming next. Any upcoming launches? I know you've got a lot going on, as we mentioned in the, you know, the intro. You've got the podcast, you've, you've got your courses, any teasers you want to give us or anything that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, um, I have uh, my singleness and dating course is going to be launching again in October. I think we're going to be teaching our marriage course for newlyweds. Engaged people can also join, but this one's going to be more geared towards newlyweds. Um, I think we're going to be doing that next month. I always have some things going on. I have uh, a book I'm working on. Um, We don't have a release date yet, but I have a new book that I'm working on and there's so much going on. But really, I think probably the the best daily way of connecting with me is my podcast. Um, It's called Girls Night with Stephanie Mae Wilson. And we just have the coolest guests and we just walk through the important things that are going on in life in this season. And um, we get to walk through them together, which is awesome. Yes. Well, one of my favorite things to do when I have a fellow podcaster on the podcast is rather than putting a call to action out for our listeners to leave us a review, go listen to some of Stephanie's con- content, leave her a review. I know as a podcaster, we love them. We, we love to hear from our audience, hear from our listeners so that we know that they're, you know, it's just right now, it's just you and I talking, but we're really talking to the listeners. Uh, so yeah. we'd love to hear from you. So do us a favor, leave Stephanie a review. Um, with that said, I uh, just want to give a big thank you. I, I love, love where we went with this today. Wanted to thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend some time with our listeners and share your journey, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. Well, that is all we have for you this week. And thank you again for listening. We will look forward to seeing you next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.